0: Amen. Judges chapter 7. Judges and chapter 7. Everybody here tonight? Amen. This is just cool stuff. It really is. It's a lot of fun. I want you to just think and pay attention to what's going on here. And... uh, just think about it from the vision of man, because God does a part here, uh, definitely God does a part, it just, it's a wonderful thing. So we're going to begin in verse 15, and that, that is where the passage begins, is at the end of the hearing of the dream, and uh, we're not, we've already preached verse 15, so I'm not going to go back and bring it in again, but it is good to have that basis walking into the rest of the passage, Okay. And it it is interesting to me that this is technically where the passage begins. So verse 15. And it was so when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof that he worshipped and returned unto the host of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord hath delivered into your hand the host of Midian. Uh, I just... Part of me wants to go back here. Because if we were to go back and look at uh, verse chapter 6, verse 13, we have a different Gideon. Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us, and where be all his miracles? If, why, where... We have this Gideon looking at God and going, if, why, where, to him, worshiping the Lord in verse 15, and at the end, running back to the rest of the 300 and saying, the Lord hath. (laughs) That's a massive difference. That's a big difference in his attitude and spirit. Verse 16, And he, Gideon, divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put a trumpet in every man's hand. Okay, so we understand trumpet here um, the trumpet is a is a what we would call it's called today a shofar it's an animal horn okay so it, it's we're not we're not talking about a you know out of the orchestra trumpet brass this is made of animal horn okay and uh i don't have it with me. I should have got it I should have um I left my phone in my office, I was going to play it for you, but I'm telling you, the shofar, don't think of the, you know, what we've got, these little things that go, okay, a shofar, probably what they had was a shofar, Uh, go listen to YouTube it or something. Uh, As a matter of fact, there's one called The Sound of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, and it's just the shofar playing for about 30 seconds, and it is uh, unbelievable. And, uh, 300 of those things going off. It's, just, it's something else. Okay, so let's go here again. He put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers, so like clay pitchers, and lamps within the pitchers. i still trying to figure out how in the world they did this, but somehow they had a lamp they held covered with a pitcher or in a pitcher somehow, and they had their shofar, their trumpet. And he said unto them, Look on me, watch me, and do likewise and behold when I come to the outside of the camp it shall be that as I do so shall ye do so get this picture you've got Gideon with his hundred okay and they're showing up at different parts of the camp There's another hundred showing up a different part they're watching Gideon what he does they're gonna do and then another one another hundred they're watching Gideon so all the things that are happening were not happening perfectly unison Okay? This isn't perfect unison. You've got 100 guys following Gideon. They're probably pretty much in unison. But then you've got another, they're going to be a second or two behind. And then another that's also going to be that same second or two behind. So there's a little bit of a kind of a mix and flow with how all this stuff is going to sound. Uh, and probably, I, I, again, I wish I could hear it all myself. Look on me and do likewise, and behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, It shall be that as I do, so shall ye do. When I blow at the trumpet, I and all that are with me, then blow ye the trumpets also on every side of the camp, and say, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men that were with him came unto the the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch, and they had but newly set the watch. Okay, this is one of the most vulnerable times in any watch. The changing of the watch. Okay, so you've just got one who's just started, and the other one, literally, when it says newly, the other the people who just left watch are like either still on their way to their tent or just got to their tent. It literally, and any military guy will tell you that this is the most dangerous time uh, or the weakest time of the watch. Okay, when the, in that switch, there's less attention being made. Okay. And the, the watch, verse middle of verse 19, the, but newly set the watch. And they blew the trumpets and break the pitchers that were in their hands, which re, would have revealed the light. And the three companies blew the trumpets and break the pitchers and held the lamps in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands to blow with all. And they cried, cried, again, that's a, a shout for us, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they stood, every man in his place, round about the camp. And all they stood. See that? So they blow the trumpets, they smash the pitchers, they have the lamps, they blow at the trumpets again. Seems like they holler the sword of the Lord and of Gideon, and then they stand. They stood there. They didn't attack. They didn't fly down the mountain, fly down the hills uh, towards towards the camp. They stood every man in his place round about the camp. And all the host did three things. They ran and cried and fled. And the 300 blew the trumpets, apparently again. And the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow. The Lord did that. Even throughout all the host. And the host fled to Bethsheba in Zerarath and to the border of Abel Mehola unto Tabath, and I have tried to figure out where that is, and we only have vague ideas maybe, okay? And the men of Israel gathered themselves out of Naphtali and out of Asher and out of all Manasseh and pursued after the Midianites. Amen. The battle of the 300 in which they didn't have to swing a sword. <laughs> Just break a pitcher and blow a trumpet. And hold a lamp. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the day. I thank you for the story and for the encouragement that it brings, and I pray that you'd help us again, Lord, to um, take, the, take the lesson uh, that seems to be on constant repeat, and uh, Lord, I pray that we'd hear it. We'll thank you for it, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So, <clears throat> who's doing the heavy lifting in this part? Yeah, the Lord is, no question about it. The Lord's doing the heavy lifting. And Gideon and the 300 men with him uh, pretty much got to watch. They pretty much got to watch God do some amazing stuff. Now, that doesn't mean they weren't without responsibility, but they were they pretty much this part. So, human, so if we're looking at human resources, what does Gideon have available to him, a lot or a little? A little. He started off with less than the enemy, and God made it smaller. Okay, so he has human resources, very little. But if it comes to faith, where is Gideon's faith? His faith is at the highest we have ever seen it in the whole arc of the life of Gideon that we've been given so far. We started off with Mr. Gideon hiding, you know, hiding over there. He's, he's uh, beating out his wheat. He's probably using a stick of some sort, trying to get the chaff, and he's doing it not where he's supposed to do this, in a place He's hiding. Gideon, the Lord shows up, starts talking to him, or the angel of the Lord, however you want to look at it. And Gideon has nothing but questions and doubt and fear and yeah, right. And what do we find? We find we find Gideon doubting, and God God and assuring him through. We got the fleece issue, and then Gideon still having some fear, and God assuring him again through the whole. Matter of fact, the whole just the whole beginning of I'm I'm not going to have you do the big job now. Why don't you just go tear down that altar, okay? Now, I want you to do this. Gideon, Lord, are you sure? We're going to do the fleece thing. We're going to do it twice. Okay, if you still fear Gideon, go down to the camp. And now now Gideon's totally sold. God has been patient with Gideon. God has led Gideon nonstop to, listen, you can trust me. You can trust me. You can trust me. Until finally Gideon goes, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to trust God. And he worships the Lord. His first response when he finally realizes that even the enemy knows Gideon's coming. <laughs> even the enemy knows it, okay? And so the enemy knows it, and so he gives himself totally, totally, completely to faith. He worships God and returns to this host and says, Hey guys, hey boys, follow me. God's going to give us the victory. There's, there's no doubt in that. There's not a pause. There's not a question. He has, been, he has been lifted. Let me just tell you, when God starts working in a life, there will be change. There will be change. God, if you read all through all of Scripture, God never left somebody exactly how they were. They were changed. Amen. Now, you need to start shaking your head like this, because that's the only hope any of us have is if God does some change in And here's God walks into the life of Gideon, and he says, I got a job for you What's out there. Yeah, right. Are you kidding me? This is a joke, right? And God, no, come on. No, keep coming. You can trust me. Keep coming. Yeah, whatever you, come on, keep coming. God's patience. And Gideon ends up, Gideon goes from Mr. Angry Doubting to follow me, boys. The Lord's going to win the battle. I'm telling you, that's good stuff. And the Lord wants the same thing for you. And think about those 300 men. Their faith was in Gideon. You have to connect the dots. Sure, they trusted the Lord, but they were following Gideon. It was Gideon's faith that stirred their faith. It was Gideon's leadership that they followed. Now, granted, we hope they're all trusting the Lord. I would assume they are. But they're trusting the Lord to work through Gideon. Why? Because they're doing exactly what Gideon's saying to do. Follow me. I've been in contact with the Lord. Let's do this. Gideon got to see, I mean, this whole thing. I, I, I just This is craziness to me. <laughs> how do 300 people? Listen, Everybody wants to go back to Sparta, you know, and listen, if you're a history buff, and, it, and I'm telling you, the whole story of Sparta, and forget the movie, go read the actual story, okay? Uh, the, it's amazing how people make movies and they can destroy the truth when sometimes the truth is better. <laughs> The truth is usually better. But forget the whole movie about Sparta, okay? Listen, three hundred people in Sparta, they three hundred men stood off ten thousand. It was amazing, it was astounding. This is not three hundred against ten thousand. This is three hundred against I think hundred and thirty five thousand. And this isn't three hundred with a nice little ten foot section of beach to defend. This is three hundred this is three hundred with all sorts of terrain. They can be surrounded quite easily okay this is 300 against 135,000 people this doesn't happen this just does not happen why does god and listen i want you to ask some honest questions why does god do this why does god do purposefully weaken the whole mess why does he do that you need to ask that because listen does god does god ever put you in a place where you feel weak where you feel like you can't handle this, you can't do anymore. There's no strength left to tackle this enemy. Do you understand? Do you understand this? It's it's often we think that God, that we get mad at God when we get these points because we feel like He's not doing anything, and God is in the middle of doing His work. Has anybody ever seen a blacksmith work? Anybody ever watched a blacksmith work? I'm serious, I want to see hands. You ever literally in, like, you sat and watched a blacksmith. Uh, okay, yeah, I have. I've watched a blacksmith. Okay, it's cool stuff. You know, watching them, watching them haul out, you know, and they hammer on that thing. You know, and when they start hammering, there's some amazing things that happen. But, you know, there's a long period that happens before the hammering. There's this really long period that happens before the hammer ever comes out or the steel ever hits the anvil. And that's when they sit in the fire. And that's it. They sit in the fire. The metal sits in the fire. And that's all it does for a lengthy period. And the fire just keeps getting hotter. If you don't know what this is, this is the old, And matter of fact, some still actually do it. They, they crank and it, it blows wind through the fire, which makes the fire even hotter, hotter than it could ever be by itself. The fire just gets hotter and hotter and hotter and it just sits waiting. God, how come you're not doing something? That's because you're still not quite weak enough for God to actually do some work. You still got too much you and not enough trouble. I hate to say that. But that's kind of how it works. You're not weak enough for God to mold. You understand that? That we have to be in our weak places for God to shape and mold us we have to be weak because if we're too strong guess what you can't mold metal that's strong you can break it you might be able to bend it to a certain point but it loses its integrity it must be in the heat Gideon went through some extreme patience of God God, I can only put it as God had Gideon in the fire God had Gideon in a very direct fire just him and God you can do this. No, I can't. You're going to do this. I can't do this. Okay, we're just going to keep you in the fire then. I mean, I mean, the whole thing, just a little bit. We're just going to keep you here. Gideon, the whole, why does God do so much with so few in this one? In this instance, in this passage, is because we have a man who believes God completely, trusts God completely, and we've got a group of men who trust Gideon and Gideon's God. <laughs> I don't know how else to explain it. There's no other way to look at it. Gideon trusts God. And I'm, there's more to it here. We're going to get it. But you know what? I, I'm, we're kind of already at the point. I mean, I've kind of told the whole story. We've talked a little bit about the, the, the best of it. I, and my, my brain is already running towards applications here. The applications, real simple. Trust God. Trust God. Well, that's real simple. Yeah, it's real simple to say it's really hard to do because God does not work on our timing. He works when He wants to. He works how He wants to. And often, as we've even seen here and as we've heard from Paul, He works in ways that frustrate us because we don't feel capable of doing it. Have faith in God. Now, here's an interesting thing. And this is true almost... Almost across the board in the Bible and even today. If you will just trust God, people will follow people who trust God. People will follow people who trust God. Listen, you all know know the difference between a person who is selling a product and a person who believes in the product. You You understand what I'm saying? You know who the best salesmen are? people who aren't paid. The best salesman is someone who has had interaction with a company and they've, they've had interaction with the product, they believe in the product, and they're using the product. Those are the best salesmen. That's, that's the best way for anything to grow. Anything whatsoever. Someone who says, this is a good product. Why? How do you know it's a good product? It's what I use. Yeah, but you use it because, you know, no, no, I'm telling you it's the only thing i'll use i i i've, I've <clears throat> my wife is interesting she's you know she's a uh, some of you ladies know she's pretty uh this is not this is the only word that's coming to mind she's crafty and i don't mean that in a negative sense forgive me for not coming up she is good with crafts you know what i'm saying she has she she can see things and work out work out these ideas and i mean it just it's incredible what she can do with the <laughs> puts these things together and like that is wicked awesome. How'd you how you figure that out? You know, and uh, and with very little, and, and she's able to do this. And what she does is she she finds something that she likes that she sees. Of course, you ladies, you know, just she Pinterest. It's Pinterest. You know, that looks good. And what she just she just got sold on an idea because someone else said, "Look at this." Do you hear that? Isn't this cool? And Dana, like, that is cool. I'm going to try that. So she tries it. Sometimes it's like, yeah, that didn't work. That was the biggest joke ever. But other times it's like, look at this. That is cool. How would you do that? I actually got, got a Pinterest account because my wife was saying, I'm telling you, Pinterest. I found it out on Pinterest. That is cool. I'm going to check this out. Maybe there's some ideas for me in here. Did you hear what I'm saying? It's the best product. The best way. And here's, all those men followed Gideon. Why? Because Gideon had been with God. Gideon believed God. Gideon just didn't believe him. He believed him so implicitly that he worshipped while he was still in the enemy camp, listening to to them tell their dreams, saying, wow, God is an awesome God. When he got to the top of the hill, it was all over his face. It wasn't that, you need to buy this product. It was like, have you tasted this? Holy... Mike, you've got to try this. That's why I knew Coke failed, right? That's the best stuff ever. That ain't Coke. This is disgusting. I, I'm sorry, some of you aren't old enough to remember. Poor souls. Anyways. that You hear what I'm saying? He believed it. He saw it. People, people that have faith in God, they really trust God, other people are going to follow you. And there's other people around you, aren't there? I sure wish that person had faith in God. My, my, my kids, my family, my brothers and sisters, my, my mom and dad, I, I sure wish they had faith in God. Do they see your faith? Do they see your faith? Now, that's no guarantee. I'm not, I'm, listen, this isn't like some guarantee. If I follow God, that person's going to follow God. No, listen, but when you follow God, when you trust God implicitly, people, people are going to follow. You are going to have an effect. Amen. Amen. Also from this passage, I say, if you trust God, you're going to see God do some great things. Does anybody here want to see God do great things? I do. I have got seen God do some amazing things, and usually it's because I was following somebody who had faith in God. Trust God, and you will see great things. Trust God, follow His Word, you're going to see God do some things you didn't dream possible. Just do your part. Now, here's what's interesting to me is, all Gideon had to do was lead them in. And this, the men. Whole, and this whole plan of action, apparently near as we can tell, this is Gideon's plan. Uh, we haven't seen where God walked in and said, this is exactly what I want you to do. You got 300 men, divide them. This, is a, this portion is Gideon's plan that is a direct result of Gideon's trust in God. Near as I can tell from this, because Gideon walks out, this is what I want you to do, just watch me, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to divide you into three companies. You guys go over there, you guys go over there and just watch me. This is what I'm going to do, but watch me. That all appears to be Gideon's plan. And by the way, it was a it's a pretty good plan. It is a plan based on wisdom if you only got three hundred men, some pitchers, some trumpets, and some candles. <laughs> and you're gonna face three hundred men. So it wasn't like Gideon apparently Gideon, whether it be the inspiration of the Lord, I don't know. It could be. I very much would God's all in the middle of this, so I'm not gonna write God on any part of it. He's the one that gave Gideon the faith to begin with. But so Gideon, he divides these these three hundred men, okay? I'm telling you, this this is the whole thing is, is just I mean, good stuff. So he shows up right at the switching of the of the of the watch. So in other words, the new watch is just now getting set, and they're just so. As I don't know if, if you've ever been on watch, and I can't say that I have, but I've I've read about it. It's one of those things where, uh, you know, when I'm out hunting, I go, if I was on watch, what would I do? You know, well, I wouldn't be staring at the fire. So, and one of the things, that, and you begin to read about these guys who've been on watch. The first thing they do is they. They start they start scanning the whole, everything they can see, and they start familiarizing themselves with what is that? Okay, there's a shadow there. Note that shadow. Okay. There's a tree. There's a big rock. There's another shadow I don't know. Let's go back and look at this. That shadow hasn't moved. And then they look at the shadow and say, okay, what is that? That could be this, okay, what, was, what did I see earlier in the day? Oh, there was, there was a larger rock, maybe the way it's facing. I might not see the rock, but I'm seeing the shadow of the rock. And what they do is they spend their first, first part of their watch familiarizing themselves with what they're looking at, and then they watch for changes in what they're looking at. Wait, that shadow wasn't there last time I looked. You hear what I'm saying? That's what a watch does in this kind of territory. So you got the first part of the watch. They're just now getting in. They're trying to familiarize themselves with what they're looking at. And of course, you know, they're you know like, okay, 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 okay. And plus we're the Midianites. We've dominated the Israelites for seven years now. They are hiding in their holes. We have beaten them down. There's nothing left. So there's a little bit of cockiness probably there. Okay? Plus they know. They, I don't know. They do have scouts. They might actually know that like a whole bunch of people left and went home out of Gideon's army. They do know Gideon. You understand it? We just heard the part. They know who Gideon is. That his name is in the camp. Okay, so he's on watch. The other guys are the other guys who are just got off watch. They're like, Oh, thank the Lord! I am hungry. Is there any soup left? <laughs> you know, they're walking back to their camp. They're not thinking at all about what's going on out there. Okay, and this is a great time. It's dark. So during in this switching, this switching while they're, while they're this uh, everyone's attention is not quite where it needs to be. They can't see everything yet. They move into position. So 100 over here, and near as we can tell, from whatever we got, it looks like that there was there was some elevated positions that were literally almost in the camp. Okay, so when Gideon and, and his 300, they do all this, they're they're literally like on top, probably of the watch. I mean, they're right there. They're very, very close to the camp. As a matter of fact, one kind of almost seems to talk that they're inside of what would be considered the edges of some of the camp of the Midianites. So they move into their three different positions. Okay, They, they wait for the right moment. What's the right moment? When Gideon does his thing. So, and what does it say? Gideon, he, he says, uh, verse 19. They're about newly such a watch, they blew the trumpets. Again, I wish you could hear this. We're talking about we're talking about these shofars. These shofars have a sound that instantly they resonate. If we were to play just one, just one in this room, it would resonate and be loud enough to almost hurt the ears. It's it's full, big sound, just one. I've heard three of them playing, not in person, but just on video watching three of them play. Inside and outside, and even outside, outside, open air, hard no trees, they fill the air around you. So, and that's just one. Imagine 300 of these things, and they don't just blow like, you know, these are long, long, I mean like 30, 40, 50 seconds. And depending on how they did it, they actually have a way where they can... One starts and then another one goes and then they keep this constant round where the, st- the tone never stops. So you're constantly hearing this boop, 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 So now imagine you've got 300. And these 300 are all around you. And the first thing you hear, dead asleep, or the guys down there in campus. That's, that's, the, that's the Israelites. And there ain't just one of them. There's 300 of them. And then, listen, I, I don't know about the whole picture crashing thing. My brain, I've heard clay clay pots break before. I've never been that impressed, but I've never heard 300 pitchers break all at once in the middle of the night. Has anybody ever heard one of those sounds in the middle of the night that made you go, what was that? There's still to this day, every once in a while, something that, I'm sure it's one of the the, uh, milk processors, but about a week ago, middle of the night, this tone, i i was ringing inside the house. This, inside was house, like, wait, wait, what, what is that? I don't know what that is. I mean, it's one of those where I'm, I'm reaching for the gun and the flashlight, going, what is that noise? Like, so finally, I'm like, okay, that's weird. So I get up, walk around, walk around the house. Nothing in the house. You know, it's not the fridge, it's nothing. And I finally go outside, and I can hear, I can hear outside somewhere way down to the south. There's this tone, just constant. I'm assuming it's got to be the one of the milk product, milk production plants or something down there. And I'm like, what is this thing? You know, I mean, it's one of those things where I'm, I'm weirded out. But it woke me up completely. I find or you know, some machine sound. I'm going back to bed. Whatever it is, but you know what I'm talking about—the sound in the middle of the night. What is that happening? So imagine not just one of those sounds, but 300, and it wouldn't be like 300 all at once crash it Gideon crash then a hundred crash and then a hundred over there crash and a hundred over there crash could sound like glass breaking could sound like whatever it was you got smack and then all that stuff breaking and hitting the ground and then all these lights showing up and we've had different ideas some people try to tell us that each light could stand for this many men each trumpet could stand for this many men great uh, that's not in the passage all we know is they were in they were this is 10 p.m okay This is the watch. It's the transition at 10 p.m. Oh, everybody's still up. No, this isn't the days of electric lights. Yes, there's a few fires around. Some people are probably awake. A lot of people are probably already passed out. Okay? A lot of people are, 10 p.m., it's been dark for a long time. Okay? A lot of them are probably already passed out. There's probably some, certainly the watch that has left, they're still awake. So you got people waking up in the middle of the night. All they hear is all these trumpets blowing. Just, and then just push. And there's 300 of them and some over there and some over there and some over there. And then God gets in the middle of it too. God gets in the middle of it too. And they run and they cry and they flee. And all they don't know because the trumpets are so close and all the crashing is so close and the lights are so close. They don't know who the bad guys are. So if somebody bumps into you. Yeah, it's dark. It's the middle of the night. They're running away from the fires. Okay, they're here. They're on top of us. And of course, God gets in the middle of as well. But imagine being up on the top. We're doing what now? Okay, but you realize if we have a lamp in one hand and a trumpet in the other, we're not holding swords. Yep. And there's only three hundred of us. Yeah. Okay. I mean, somewhere they had to agree to this. What's Gideon do? Er, crash. Eep. Okay. Er, crash. Er, er, er. Let's keep watching. Eep. When it says they keep, I get the picture when they says they keep sounding. I think there's this, this nonstop roll, having seeing what the Jews do now with the trumpets. They're probably just nonstop all around them. Do, do, do. So in your mind, in your mind, if you're a male, okay, and you're thinking military. You probably do think each one of those trumpets, that's just one trumpet. And behind that, there's probably more than one man. And they're all around us. We're surrounded. And I love it. But what do they do? I love this part. Stand still. That's what they do. Now we're just going to watch. See what happens. Watch. Not hauling the sword out. They're not running down. Has there been any other places where, where God's people have stood still and watched God do some things in their history? How about when Moses is at the Red Sea, what does he tell the people? Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. What's interesting is that Joshua must have remembered that. Because when they got to the Jordan River, Joshua tells the people, stand still (laughs) and see the salvation. Well, no, he says stand still in Jordan. So they they put their feet in Jordan and Joshua says, when you get to Jordan, stand still. And the waters receded. And you know it's often in our life where we want to do something. God, we got to do something. There's, there's, there's the enemy is right here, and I don't know what to do. And and you know this, this is we're gonna this is gonna hurt us real bad, and we're gonna lose. It's not gonna be good. We're just gonna be beat up. We can't afford this bill. We, we can't fight this disease. Whatever it is, I can't I can't handle this overwhelming thing that's happened in my family or my life or my or this argument that I've had or whatever. I, just, I can't handle this. I can't. You to you realize that God's saying stop. God's brought you to a point of weakness. What you need to do now is just trust God and don't do anything. Don't move until God moves. Now, it doesn't mean don't do anything. They're still, I I, I say that wrong. What are they still doing? They're still doing what they're supposed to do. Follow Gideon. What does Gideon do? Do what I do. Blow the trumpet. Okay, I'm going to blow the trumpet. They're still doing what they know to do, but that's as far as it goes. They didn't go down there and try to attack the enemy. Have you ever been in a spot where you really wanted to go in and rip somebody's head off? I don't mean just a little bit. I'm not just talking about just a little conversation between two people. I'm talking about a spot where it got bad. And what you really wanted to do is say, I've had enough. It is, this is stupid. It ends here. Do you, think, do, you think, do you think that Gideon and those 300 men at all might have felt the last seven years? Where their crops have been taken again and again. They can barely feed their family. They probably watched family die from lack of nutrients because they put... They've put all their effort and sweat into raising crops and raising cattle and then watch the Midianites just come in and swipe it all or destroy it all or burn it all. And who knows, I mean, in the history of mankind, an invading army has always left behind not just shattered fields but shattered people. Just men do not do good things to people. Do you think those 300 men, you think at all that they weren't feeling a little bit of that Boy, I sure, you sure get in my because if I can get a sword swing in I, I want to you hear what I'm saying? There are times when what God wants us to do is just stand still, do what you're supposed to do, keep doing what you're supposed to do. let God solve the problem because he's more capable of it than we are. Stand still I can't cross this. Yeah, but I'll feel good if I try. I can't beat this. Yeah, but I'll feel better if I say something. You shouldn't say that. Yeah, but I'll feel better if I will. Stand still. And according to verse 22, God does something that they could never do. The 300 blew the trumpets, which they were supposed to do, and the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow, even throughout all the host, and the host fled and the host fled. Isaiah chapter 40. This has been one of my long-time favorite passages because God's used it so much. I've watched Him use it. At the end of Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 starts, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, That the everlasting God, the Lord, Jehovah, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. He never gets there. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. You see that? Even those that are powerful and can do this and have the strength, they're going to fall and they're going to get weary. But they that, what's that word right there? Wait upon the Lord. I got to do something. I got to fix this. I got to blah, 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 blah. I got to beat the enemy. I got to, I got to, I got to. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. It doesn't mean that suddenly they'll have a nice rest. No, It means that their strength is going to come from a source beyond themselves. They'll be able to walk even though they don't have the strength to walk. They'll be able to fly even though they don't have the strength to fly. Why? Because God is doing it. God is doing the work. He's the one that's going to give them strength that they are not capable of developing themselves. I know I've preached on fasting. I've talked about it, and I, and I hope you would talk about it with each other. But I'm telling you, every time I have, every time I have fasted in seriousness, God has provided an answer. Not always the answer I wanted. Just just recently, as a matter of fact, I just uh, in praying about and praying about, you know, bringing somebody in here for the church, and just you know, some other areas there, I'm just like God, I, I don't have any peace whatsoever, and I'm. I'm trying to figure out what to do, and so I just spent three days. I just just fast and pray three days, just you know, Lord, please, I, I need to know what to do. And you know what? The, you know what the Lord brought back to me. But like the only thing out of three days was Isaiah forty thirty one: "They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength." Like I'm telling you, I was going down, I was going to interview guys, we got to get somebody up here, I got to fix this problem. You know, we got, man, we got work to do, we need some help, I need some extra help, but there's too much to be done, we need to get moving here, and God says, no, I I want you to wait. I was going to interview guys when we went down, I was like, okay, God, I'm not interviewing anybody, I'm done, not going to interview, God told me to wait, I'm waiting, I'm going to keep doing my part, I still got work that needs to be done, I'm going to do my part, but I guess this battle is going to be won by the Lord. Uh, It's interesting, I can't even tell you right now, but the Lord has already in the process, has already answered some of my concerns through the process. That doesn't mean I've got anybody coming yet. That part we're still waiting on. But I had several several questions I had brought to the Lord. And within a matter of just a couple weeks after that, answered, 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 going, Okay. I'm not saying I'm all that great, but thank the Lord, the Lord smacked me upside the head enough for me to realize, you just need to sit down and shut up for a little bit and wait on me. You realize that sometimes when God is taking you to a point of weakness, He's doing it on purpose. Because He wants you to learn to trust. I'm going to leave you with this illustration, just hopefully you can see this, but... Uh, Harry Ironside is one of my, one of my favorite commentators. Um, I enjoy him very much, just how he writes and the things that he says, and his whole history. Very good. He used to be a. He grew up in Salvation Army. Uh, he became very high in the Salvation Army and then discovered Security of the Believer, and became uh, a Baptist. <laughs> but in 1924, he's he's the head president of the Dallas Theological Seminary. Okay. 1924, Dallas Theological Seminary is on the verge of bankruptcy. And they were supposed to foreclose at noon on a certain day. Okay? So I want you to picture this. You're the president of a college that's training men. This is a good thing. Training men to be preachers and pastors and missionaries and evangelists and go do the work of the Lord and young men and women who just want to serve God and you're doing your best and it's going into bankruptcy in 1924. What are we going to do? And Aaron said, here's what we're going to do. I want all, all the men involved, or, you know, the, the heads, I want you to come and let's have a prayer meeting in my office. What, what else can we do? We're just going to have to wait on the Lord. And on the day, that this, this is you know, hindsight, on that day, he prayed a prayer that he often prayed in those days because it was on the verge of bankruptcy. He said this, Lord, we know the cattle on a thousand hills are thine. Please sell some of them and give us the money. But they kept praying. So as they're praying, this Texas oilman walks into the receptionist's office outside his office. He says, You know, he said, This is the weirdest thing. He said, But I, I just told sold two carloads of cattle in Fort Worth. And I have been trying and trying to make a business deal go through, and they've all fallen through. And the Lord's just compelled me that I need to stop by here and give you the money. <laughs> So while they're having their prayer meeting, the secretary jumps in and says, Harry! Harry! God just sold the cattle! Literally. And the problem take... I could have used George Mueller. I mean, George Mueller waiting for the... They need breakfast for the orphans, and they're all basically praying for breakfast, and and God has a, a bread truck and then a milk truck just happened to break down outside the orphanage, and if they don't get rid of the bread and milk, it's going to go bad. and I mean, there's stories like this all over the joint, you understand? Listen, God purposefully brings us to a point of weakness, on purpose. And you know what we need to do in response? is not this. No, it's, it's, can you trust God or not? Is, listen, I know you all know the answer to this. You know it academically. Is God trustworthy? We all know it academically. Will God provide? Now, granted, in, in our lifetime, in our country, money needs may or may not be a, as big a deal, although it seems like it's getting into that. There are other needs, family issues, health issues, emotional issues, all sorts of things. This isn't just limited to, to money. Gideon's problem wasn't a problem of money. Gideon had an enemy that needed to be defeated. Gideon had a people that needed to be freed. Gideon had a whole bunch of people that needed to learn to trust in God again. And it only took one. Listen, it only took one man in our story, Gideon, to just learn to trust God. Just trust God. And that's as simple as it gets. What did Gideon do? He trusted God. God helped him, but he trusted God. God brought him to the point where he could just say, God's going to take care of this. I'm going to do my part, and God's going to take care of it. Does Gideon do his part here? Did God take care of it? But Gideon had complete faith. When I go back there and I see Gideon, after rising up from worshiping the Lord, he runs up to those guys and says, Come on, boys. The Lord hath delivered into your hand the host of Midian. Oh, and by the way, the story doesn't end here. (laughs) Because the Midianites are running, and Gideon calls out, and a few other people join up, and then he sends out some more messengers, a few other people join up, and Midian's done for. It's over. But it all started because one man, one person, could just say, it doesn't matter how weak I am. It doesn't matter how big the odds look. It doesn't matter how God keeps stripping away everything I think I can use to help me solve this problem. It's a person to say, okay God, your strength is going to be made perfect in my weakness and I will trust you despite that. What has God stripped away from you? If you've got anything that you're trusting in, it could be one of the things that God's starting to take away. There are people that place their security in their jobs. God can take those away. There are people that place their security in their retirement. God can take that away. There are place, people that place their security in their property. God can take that away. There are people that place their security, or their security is found in their family. And God can take that security away. But is God trustworthy? Always. Always. And often, the thing that we want to stand on, the thing that we're putting our hope and our trust in, is the very thing that God will begin to say, yeah, I think I'm going to start taking that away. Why? Because you need to learn to trust in God and in nothing else. Can you trust God? Will you trust God? Because God did some amazing stuff for this group of people because one man learned just to trust Him. Father,